All right. Well, happy Sunday, everyone. Welcome to Front Range. My name is Addison Howard. I am one of your church elders. I'm so thankful all of you are spending part of your Sunday with us today. Whether you're here in the auditorium, maybe you're out in the courtyard in our beautiful weather, maybe you're watching online, whatever it is, we hope that this place becomes a home for you. This is a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. Pastor Jeff and I are going to kind of tag team our message today. We're continuing our series going through the book of Colossians, which is this letter written by the Apostle Paul to the people in the city of Colossae, which is in modern-day Turkey. And the Colossians were sort of having this little itty-bitty problem they were struggling with of heresy. And what we're finding out is that uh, they sort of were having this pick-and-choose-your-own-create-your-own-religion buffet. They started off as followers of Jesus, but eventually they sort of started taking some things from what was around them, and then eventually Paul's providing a little bit of course correction. Now, when we hear this term like heresy, we may have a couple of different connotations we associate with it. Maybe you think of someone who is condemning Christianity or this rebellious militant atheist who's walking up and down outside of churches just protesting the teachings of Jesus. When we look at the, de- the definition of heresy according to the dictionary, it simply says it's a belief or opinion that is contrary to Christianity. A belief or opinion that is contrary to Christianity. And I think usually this falls into one of two categories. Either you're believing something that the Bible doesn't say or you're not believing something that the Bible does say. So, for example, let's say you were to believe that, uh, you say, hey, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. That would be considered heresy. Or if you were to say, hey, I'm a Christian, but I believe that if you have tattoos, you're not a Christian, that would also be heresy, and about two-thirds of our church would be heretics, according to that definition. I think, though, it's easy for us to hear and say, oh, cool, we're talking all about heretics in church. Glad that guest preacher man here is going to be telling this to all of them who need to hear it, when in fact I think all of us can be susceptible to something like this. I think all of us can easily have a belief or opinion contrary to faith. Maybe we have a gut instinct that we trust without questioning it, or we think a verse in the Bible says something it doesn't, or maybe we think to ourselves, well, God surely doesn't mean that in my situation. In fact, make sure we're all on the same page here. We're all family. I want you to humor me for a bit. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, you're a heretic. Online, type in the chat. All right, now turn to your second choice neighbor on the other side and tell them also you're a heretic too. All right, now it's out the way, right? We all have some struggles where we maybe have an opinion that is contrary to faith. The same is happening here with the Colossians. This whole letter written by Paul is about misguided beliefs in the church. It was interesting is while we're getting into sort of this deeper theological heavy seeming subject, Paul opens up with the verse that was read earlier in Colossians 2 verse 2. He says, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. Paul's goal, his goal is that they, is that we may have the full riches of complete understanding, and that what leads to Jesus. He's saying, hey, what you think you know, it's incomplete. It's got holes, it's got gaps, it's got flaws. And this applies to us too, by the way. 
And he's saying, oh man, are you missing out on the fullness of riches in your life that comes from really knowing what God has in store for you. And so Paul, in introducing this concept of heresy, is really kind of asking us this question. It's, how do you have a rich life? How do you have a rich life? Now, not financially rich, but sort of a richness of our soul. And I think it's kind of like this, uh, this plate here. Now, humor me for a moment, all right? I'm going somewhere with this, okay? I know many of you over 4th of July, we have all seen this plate. Many of you had cookouts. You know if you go to a cookout and you see this plate, you're about to eat pretty good, am I right? You know what I'm talking about. And how do, how do you structure your plate? The biggest section to the most important things. So you probably put fried chicken, barbecue, something like that. Mo- move on to your next small section. And what do you, what do you put in there, anybody? Mac and cheese. Mac and cheese is what goes in the second section. And so then finally you go to your smallest section, and what do you put in the smallest section? More mac and cheese, exactly, I heard someone say it. Exactly. I think though a lot of times this is how we treat our faith. Maybe, we, maybe you were raised as a, as a Christian or uh, something that was important in your youth, and you said, yeah, I'm super on fire for Jesus, I'm really excited about God, he's my most important priority, the biggest section of my plate. And then as life sort of develops, maybe it becomes about a successful and prosperous career, respectable family, maybe your social media following or the next great adventure, and things seem to get deprioritized. Or maybe you're saying, hey, I just want to be honest. I feel like I've always had a strong faith, and God's always been the number one thing in my life. Everything else is secondary. It's God first, everything else second. But Paul is saying when he's talking to have a rich life, to have the full riches of complete understanding, he's not saying make sure the biggest plate is Jesus. The biggest part of the plate is Jesus. He's saying the whole plate. He's saying all of our attitudes, all of our thoughts, all of our intentions and our behaviors, all of them sit on top of our faith. It is our faith in Christ that props up everything else, every other priority, every other thing in our lives is being held up by our faith, Jesus is the whole plate. In fact, in Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. It doesn't say your first ways. Make, give him your first and maybe your best. He's saying give everything. And what in fact we happened with the Colossians in the same situation is uh, they were experiencing, well, yeah, I mean, we're following Jesus, but we're sort of taking and picking and choosing from these other things that have come into our lives. And while maybe that doesn't seem like heresy at the time, that's what Paul is instructing against them. And so if you've been taking a look the past few weeks, we've had this big introduction to this letter, and we're getting to the point now where Paul's starting to get a little bit practical. So we're going to pick up uh, verse 6 of our chapter 2 today. If you have your Bible, you can turn there with me. If you don't have a Bible, come find me. I'd love to get you a Bible. Uh, and if not, don't worry, it's going to be on the screen behind me. So we're going to pick up Colossians 2, starting in verse 6. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. 
So he's writing this letter to these believers and saying, hey, remember when you first received Jesus? Remember when you first started following Jesus? Continue to live like it. Which I think is sort of a weird thing because what we know about the time that this was written in history and when this city in Turkey would have heard about Jesus, it's not that long. What could have gone so wrong so quickly that would have led these people who were super bright-eyed, brand-new Christians to turn into something that is considered heresy? I think instead what we find is in our own lives, it's very easy for us to have small, subtle things seep in to our faith and our relationship with God that ultimately makes it look completely different than what we think it is without us even knowing the fortunate thing, though, is that Paul doesn't simply leave us by saying, I hope you can figure out how to have that full, rich life. He gives us the antidote. As we saw in verse 7, he says, be rooted, be strengthened, be overflowing with thankfulness. So I'm going to take a look at that first one here today. What does it mean to be rooted in our faith? So uh, ever since I've moved here to Colorado, I've kind of become a pretty typical cliche Coloradan. I love hiking mountains. The whole mountain hiking season has just begun. And I realized a few weeks ago, I'm thinking, oh, my first 14er is coming up in about two weeks. And I am not in 14er shape. I am in lockdown shape. I need to find a way to get in shape fast before I get to altitude. And so I found this device. I don't know if everyone's ever seen this. This is supposed to be an altitude mask. And the idea is that I wear this over my face, like Bane from Batman or something, and, and it's going to restrict oxygen to me. I'm brilliant, right? I'm going to wear this device at the office, at my desk, reducing oxygen to my brain while I work, and that's going to help me climb mountains. And as you might imagine, it doesn't. <laughs> I think a lot of you as well, I know maybe you've bought a fitness device from an infomercial and you can attest the same. Or I know a lot of you also have treadmills at your house that are really just doubling as laundry hampers. I think many of us, the reason why this matters is because so many of us look for things, little shortcuts and tweaks to make things easier. Even in our faith, we look for get faith quick schemes and devices that may end up enhancing our lives with minimal effort. But it may not be that noticeable. It may look like we find this inspirational quote that we, is sort of our life motto, that we live everything by, that's easier to remember, but it's not biblical. Maybe we find ourselves putting all of our trust and assuming that everything that a political leader or news anchor or friend says is true without actually weighing everything against what the Bible says and be willing to admit when we're wrong. Maybe we find a parenting blog or an Instagram account, and those are the things that we put our lives on when, in fact, some of these so-called shortcuts that promise fulfillment, whether they be inspiring philosophies or areas of convenience, are going to be able to tempt us all. In the Colossians, we're seeing the exact same thing. A few verses later, in verses 10 through 14, Paul goes on to talk a lot about circumcision. Which, don't worry, I'm not going to get into a whole lot of detail about that. I think Pastor Jeff probably wants people still here by the time that he gets up to speak. But I just want you to know that there's a lot of sacred ritual wrapped up in this. And what the Colossians were seeing is they were seeing Christians sort of going through these acts. They're seeing religious leaders. Religious leaders. These are trusted people in the community 
who were telling the Colossians that they had to follow these religious rituals and strict rules in order to be good Christians. And at a glance, this sounded like good things. These sound like ways to get more spiritual and closer to God. They've seen other people doing it, and it works for them. But Paul is warning them, he's warning us not to be taken captive by these things, these human traditions and forces of the world. He says, these things that are seemingly good for us in our relationship with God are ultimately empty beliefs. That these hollow philosophies will not lead to growth, strength, or thankfulness that we find by living our lives in Christ. So while I'm a Colorado now, I'm originally as a child from South Carolina. And our state flag has a palmetto tree on it. That's our big tree. It's basically like a palm tree. It's in part of the same family. And you see these palm trees everywhere, along the beach, along the road. We had one in our yard growing up. And uh, in addition to lots of palm trees, we also have lots of hurricanes. I noticed growing up, after I would walk out and see what happened with the hurricane damage, one of the few things that always was unwavering were palm trees. I thought, this is odd. Palm trees are basically 80-foot-tall twigs. (laughs) They are primed to be snapped in half by 150-mile-an-hour winds but it's actually because of their roots, of their root structure. What we have learned now is that they have these spaghetti-like fibrous roots that kind of roll up into a ball that provide extra strength such that even in the strongest of storms, they can bend 40 to 50 degrees over halfway to the ground and still not break. What I find so interesting about this is while we know this now, how the root structure worked, It says in Psalms chapter 92, written thousands of years ago, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. It talks about how they'll still bear fruit in old age. They'll stay fresh and green. We stay fresh. We flourish. Our lives flourish when we're rooted. Paul tells us to be rooted to avoid these things. He says being rooted in our relationship with Jesus. What I find most interesting about how he approaches being rooted is that Paul actually doesn't say a lot of things. He had every right and every reason to go to the Colossians in this letter, list out every one of their offenses and why it was wrong. Hey, you believe this, here's why that's messed up. Trusting this thing, it's gonna fail you. That's not gonna deliver in the way that you think it does. He doesn't do that. Instead, he immediately points them to Jesus. He says, don't worry about these other things, focus on Jesus. He describes this as being rooted. He says, forget the get-rich-quick schemes out there. Here's how to actually be rich in your soul. He's saying, focus on Jesus. Make Jesus the whole plate in your lives. Know him so well that anything not of him is immensely clear. Do you know that federal agents who are looking for counterfeit money, when they're studying it, they don't actually study the counterfeits. They study the real thing. They study the real, genuine bills and they know them so well till they master the look of the real thing such that when they come across a fake, they know it instantly. And Paul's saying the same thing with being rooted. He's saying, don't focus on all the other things that may trick you out there. Focus on Jesus. Know Jesus so deeply that when any counterfeit comes across your path, any deceptive philosophy, you know it, you can see it, and you can run from it. Being rooted means knowing Jesus deeply. And how do we do that? How do we know Jesus in a way that all the fakes become exposed? 
that the shortcuts no longer entice us, that we can become rooted in the work that Jesus has done for us, is read the Bible and pray. If you've been coming to Front Range for any amount of time, you hear this almost every week, and it's not because we're out of ideas to tell you, it's because we're not willing to give you shortcuts. We want all of us to have a deep, rooted faith in what Jesus has done, and the only way for us to know Jesus, to develop our roots, is to hear the word, read the word that he has given us, and to communicate with him. We need to communicate with him. Jesus is the answer to every desire of the human heart. When we focus on him, when we, everything else pales in comparison to Jesus. He is the ultimate authority. He is the one who fills us. If there's any ever any hope that we have in our hearts, its answer is found in Christ. The truth is we have all we need in Jesus who alone has triumphed, who alone has defeated sin and death, who alone has forgiven our sins and our trespasses and our shortcomings by nailing them to the cross that we might have a rich life. And that truth, if we can root ourselves into that truth, into the work that Jesus has done, into a relationship with him, if we can absorb and know this deeply, it's going to help all of us be sure not to fall captive to whatever else the world may be trying to throw at us. So now we understand what it means to be rooted. Pastor Jeff's going to come up here and take that foundation and build it into the next areas of some very practical steps of being strengthened and overflowing with thankfulness. So I love the fact that Addison is training for his uh, first 14er this year. I'm training to not ever climb a 14er, and I'm so far totally successful, totally successful. I love that. Be rooted. How do we have a rich life? To be rooted in Jesus, to be rooted in who he is and what he said and what he's done. The next thing Paul talks about, about having a rich life, is to be strengthened. In that verse that we're focusing on, verse 6, Paul says this. He says, um, continue to live your lives in Jesus, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith. So I want to talk about how are we strengthened, and we're going to get super practical. I'm going to ask you to do something we never ask here at Front Range. I'm going to ask you to take notes, and you're, going to, you're looking at me like I ain't going to do it. Yeah, you are, because I'm going to come out in the audience. I'm going to point out people not taking notes. We put papers on your chairs. We put pins on your chairs. You have your phone with you. You can do that. Take a selfie, post it on Instagram, put worshiping with Jesus, hashtag blessed, and then switch to the notes app, and we're going to take some notes just for a minute. It's super practical. Because here's what I know. I've been around this ministry thing for a long, long time. And a lot of times when, when, when people are struggling and they can't figure it out and life's tough and I'm not, I, I just don't feel like I'm living the rich life, a lot of times it's because we're not doing the stuff that Paul told us to do. And so I want you to walk out of here with practical things that Addison already gave it to you, rooted in Jesus. How are we strengthened? The first thing is we are strengthened as we are taught. We are strengthened by learning. We are strengthened by learning. So you roll up to the barbecue that Addison was talking about. They hand you the ultimate plate, right? And you look, and it is a spread like you have not seen before. There is pulled pork. There is Texas brisket. There is potato salad and baked beans and coleslaw and mac and cheese. And at the end of the table, there are styrofoam bowls with dessert in them. Do you know what that dessert is? Delicious. No, no, no. It's banana pudding. Okay? 
And if you think it's pudding, you've never been to the South. There's no G in that word. Anytime anyone offers you banana pudding, the answer is yes. You look at this spread and you're like, wow. You're there for about an hour and a half, two hours. You're heading home with whoever you came with. And they say, how did you, how did you think? How did you like it? And I, I just didn't get much out of it. I, just, I, didn't, I don't feel like I was fed. What? What are you talking about? There's all that food was there. Yeah, but I really wasn't fed. You know why? Because you didn't belly up to the food. Like, you didn't take it in. You didn't put it on your plate. You didn't eat it. That's on you, man. That's what happens to me when I come to church or when I go to community group. And then I walk away, and I'm like, ah, I didn't get much out of that. Ah, I really just don't feel like I was fed. You know why? Because I didn't eat. Like, I didn't put anything on my plate. I I didn't go get what was presented to me, what was available anytime, anybody is talking about Jesus, talking about the Word, talking about how we can grow in our faith. There's something there. So how do we do that? Here's what I'm getting. Here's what we're writing down. Number one, be fully present. When you show up, show up as a learner, not a leaner, okay? Be fully present. What that means is we're focused in. We're not paying attention to kids. We're not on Facebook or Instagram. We're not thinking about what's for lunch. I, I, I do all these things. That's why I know what I'm talking about. We're focused in. We're honed in. We're limiting distractions, I have found that if I walk into an environment that I am determined to learn, I can learn from anyone. If someone cracks open the Bible and talks about Jesus, no matter who they are, their education, how good a speaker they are, I can learn. So we walk in fully present. We take notes. This is something I'm still struggling with because here is how my weird brain works. When I hear something, I think, I'll remember that, despite all evidence to the contrary despite the fact that I can't remember the code to my garage, right? Okay? But I'll remember that random thing I heard today. We've got to take notes. We've got to get notebooks or keep it in our phone. We've got to take notes. We're going to learn. We're going to be a learner. We're going to ask questions. Like, if you're at uh, Front Range and something comes up and you're just kind of not sure about it, grab one of the pastors afterward. Grab one of the speakers. Grab one of the elders. Say, hey, help me process this a little bit. Or you can email any of us. You can email uh, info at frontrange.org. You write that down. Info at frontrange.org. One of our pastors is going to get that. Your question, they're going to either respond an email. They're going to give you a call. They're going to say, hey, can we sit down and have coffee? When you go to community groups, say, hey, guys, I know we're going to watch a video or we're going to have a, a barbecue, whatever. I got to ask you. This happened at church or this week. Help me learn. We show up as learners, Okay. And share some free resources that some of you are aware of, some of you aren't. We have to lean into these resources if we want to be strengthened. One of those resources is uh, called the Bible Project, okay? Uh, it's thebibleproject.com. How many of you have checked that out? Okay. It's amazing. It is amazing. It is, uh, it's an introduction to different books of the Bible, to different concepts of theology, but it's at a level I can understand. Like, it's not for seminary graduates, which I'm not. It's for regular people, normal people. And a lot of it has cartoons, which helps me a lot. But it's not for kids. It's for adults. It's awesome. Another one that I use all the time, Version, which is most of you have on your phone, the Bible app. But within Version, the reading plans. Search the reading plans for a topic that you want to learn more about. And they will have 10, 15 reading plans that will come with commentary and connect to Scripture. I use it all the time to learn, to grow. Another one that I use is blueletterbible.com blueletterbible.com. I don't, I don't, I've never been, I don't speak Greek. I've never sat in a Greek class. I use it all the time. If you ever hear me in a sermon say, 
The Greek word for this is this, and here's what it means. It's because I've gone to blueletterbible.com, I've read the commentary, I've hit the little icon that says it out loud for me so I know how to pronounce it. That's how I learn about the original. Use those resources. They're absolutely free. That man, Jeff, this is really, really boring. I get it, but if we want to grow, if we want to be strengthened, just like Addison said, if we want to be rooted, we're going to pray, we're going to read the Bible. If we want to be strengthened, we're going to show up as learners. How else are we strengthened? We're strengthened by adversity. Strengthened by adversity. Um, Paul says in Romans chapter 5, he says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. That phrase, suffering produces perseverance. Adversity produces perseverance. So Addison talked about the palm tree, and the palm tree has the root system. It's rooted, and that's why it can survive hurricanes. Another tree that we want to talk about is the bristlecone pine. Fascinated by this tree. They believe it to be the oldest tree on earth. We have bristle cone pines in Colorado, and they believe that the oldest ones are over 5,000 years old. That means that when Jesus was on earth, they were middle aged. That means when Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt, some of these pine trees were already alive. How can a tree live for 5,000 years? It's because of the adversity that this tree grows in. It grows in very cold climates. It grows in very dry climates, very little water, lots of rocks. There's very little else around these trees. They grow very, very slowly. In fact, in super adverse conditions, they don't even add a ring of growth. Because of this, their wood is very dense. And because it's so dense, bugs and rot and fungus and all the things that cause disease in a tree can't get in. And this bristlecone pine lives and lives. We're like that pine tree. We can be strengthened by adversity. And we know this. We, we understand this concept. Addison mentioned a treadmill. I've been on a health journey this year, and one of the things I've been using is a, the treadmill in our basement. First, I got all the clothes off of it, and then I found out that if you push a button, it actually turns on. That was exciting. But here's what I know. If I go get on the treadmill, when I get off the treadmill, if I feel like, you know, that wasn't bad. I kind of enjoyed that. Nothing happened. Like, I'm no healthier than I was when I got on. If I get off the treadmill and I say, that was the worst 45 minutes of my life, I'm never doing that again, I hate this thing, until tomorrow, I get healthier, right? We know that. Suffering can produce adversity. But the point of this is not to go seek out suffering because suffering will find you. Like, that's the reality of life. The other point is, this is where this can get really sideways, Sometimes it can sound like, for Christians, this kind of weird thing that when you suffer, you should love that. Like, when someone close to you dies, you should say, that's so good. Or when you are struggling with depression, you should say, oh, I'm so glad I'm going through this because I'm growing. That's nuts. Like, that's not what humans do, right? That's fake. No, I'm not talking about in the suffering. In the suffering, we need comfort. In the suffering, that's when the Holy Spirit comes alongside and goes through. That's why the Holy Spirit is called the comforter as, we, as we're in tough times. But if we want to grow from suffering, then we look back. We, we reflect on what just happened. And I'm going to give you four questions. I want you to write down these questions. I think they're incredibly important. When you've gone through a tough time, and this applies to all of us, as we think back about the last 18 months, okay, the, the pandemic and all that we've walked through, all of us have had some, some tough times in that. So four questions. Number one, 
Where did I see God? Where did God show up? Where did God show up? You know, in the midst of the suffering, it can feel like God's not there. I'm all alone. But when I look back, I can see, you know what? God was in that moment. God, you know, God was there that, through that person that showed up in my life. Where did God show up? Second question, what did I learn? What did I learn? In all suffering, if I'll reflect, I can realize, you know what? I learned I'm weak in this area. I learned that these people, I can lean on them. I learned that, you know, this person I thought was super close, I'm not going to be bitter about it, but they, they just weren't there. I, what did I learn through this experience? So where did God show up? What did I learn? The third question is, how will I respond next time? I'm going to go through suffering again. What am I going to apply that I learned in going through this? And then the fourth question, which is probably as important or more important than the other three, who can I help? Who is walking through something that I've been through that I can help? Because that's where strength comes from. That's where growth comes from. I've seen ladies who have gone through miscarriages, the hardest thing in their life, and then I've seen them turn to other ladies who have walked through the same thing, and they've said, I can walk with you. I've seen guys who've, who've lost their mom or have lost their dad turn to other guys and say, man, I, I, I don't know what you're feeling, but I can tell you I, I know what I feel, and I'd love to walk through this with you, and I see incredible strength as we do that together. So we're strengthened as we learn. We're, we're strengthened as we deal with adversity. And then we're strengthened by community, by community. I love what the writer of the Hebrews said. Uh, he said, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. Not giving up meeting together. Churches are obsessed with that scripture. Have you ever noticed that? Like you don't follow a bunch of pre preachers on, on, Insta or on uh, social media like I do, but I've seen that scripture listed 1,322 times in the last month. Like it, don't give up meeting together. Don't give up meeting together. We're having church this weekend. You need to come. You need to come. You need to come. Why are we so obsessed with that? Why are we telling you, get online, come to the church? Well, three ideas. We'll take a quick quiz. Which one do you think it is? Do you think it's A, because we love of setting up chairs. Like setting the chairs up that you're sitting in is what makes our week, okay? B, we hate throwing out coffee. So if we make too much coffee because you didn't come, then we have to throw coffee away. It's terrible for us. Or three, we desperately need each other. Like we need to be together. I'll give you a hint. It's number three. The writer says, don't give up meeting together because we need to be together. The truth is, is that when we're together, there's strength in that. We talked about the palm tree and the roots. We talked about the bristlecone pine and the, 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 the strengthening through adversity. A third tree to think about is a tree very familiar in Colorado, the aspen tree. And if you know much about aspens, you know if you've seen an aspen grove, that isn't lots of different trees. That's one tree. They're all clones of the same tree. They're all super interconnected by roots. And that's why aspen groves are very resilient because if one tree is harmed, the other trees can come in and help it. That's why aspen trees, if there's a fire, they come back quickest because they have this intricate root system all connected together. The truth is, is when we are together here on Sundays, when we are together in our community groups, when we are together in a coffee shop just meeting one-on-one, -on -one, we bring strength. So we are strengthened by learning. We are strengthened by adversity. We are strengthened by community. We have a rich life by having deep roots. We have a rich life by being strengthened. And then the last thing, quickly, is how to have a rich life is be thankful. Be thankful. 
Paul finishes this verse by saying, being strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. The key word here is overflowing with thankfulness. See, thankfulness flows naturally out of being rooted deeply into Jesus and being strengthened by the faith. It's just a natural overflowing. If I don't feel thankful, if I don't feel thankful, it's not that I need to try harder. Last tree, palm tree, is about being rooted. Bristlecone pine is about being strengthened by adversity. The aspen tree is being connected by community. And then the apple tree. The apple tree is about being thankful, about being fruitful, about fruit growing. Have you ever walked through an apple orchard and heard an apple tree going, I just, I just need to grow more apples. Man, I'm just, I feel bad about myself. i got to grow apples. Have you ever stood real close to an apple tree and just heard it groaning trying to grow an apple? i got to grow an apple. i got to grow an apple. See, that's thankfulness. I'm not telling you, you go be more thankful. You unthankful people. That doesn't make any sense. Paul says it flows naturally out of us. Thankfulness is like a gauge on my spiritual health. It's like a gas gauge in the car. Quick, quick, quick survey. How many of you are the people that when the gas gauge gets a little below half full, you go, you go fill up? You've got a few? Okay. How many of you would say, you know what, about a quarter tank, about a quarter tank, I'm, I'm going to go pull in and I'm going to fill up? A few more. How many of you want to see how far you can get past empty? How many? Yeah? That's great. I used to be one of you. You used to be my people. You push enough cars to a gas station, you don't, you don't live in that world anymore. One more question. How many of you, when your gas gauge says empty, you take the car to the shop and tell them there's something wrong with this car? That's stupid, right? You need more gas. When you're not feeling thankful, when you don't feel thankfulness flowing out of you, it's not because something's wrong with you. It's because you're out of gas. We just have to figure out where do we need to be filled up. Some of you are, are out of gas today, and it's not me saying here, well, suck it up, get thankful. It's not go do these legalistic things to fix yourself. It's get filled up. Jesus says, I love this scripture, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Some of you have heavy burdens today. Life's tough. Diagnosis friend in trouble, kid off the rails. I don't know what it is, but you would say, I, my thankfulness meter is pretty low. And Jesus says, I'm not saying do, I'm saying come. I want to give you rest. So in this moment, we want to, I want to pray for you. I'm going to pray that over the next couple of minutes that God will just begin to fill you up with his peace and with his joy and with his comfort. Some of you don't know Jesus, like you haven't followed him. You don't, you don't relate to this thing we're talking about. Jesus says, come. I, you don't have to get better. You don't have to clean up. You don't have to be a different car, a different person. Just come and connect. This is your moment. Would you close your eyes? And those of you online, would you just pray with us too? Father, I pray for each person who's in this room. I pray for everybody who's online. I pray for those in the courtyard. Or I think there's probably some people here that they're walking through tough stuff right now. It's really hard for them to have perspective and to ask questions. Lord, I pray right now that they will just feel peace. Paul wrote in Philippians that there's a peace that doesn't even make sense, like it's a peace beyond human circumstance. I pray for that peace this morning. 
I pray for that man or that woman that would say, you know, I've really never followed Jesus. I've heard scriptures and stuff, but I don't really know what it is to be tightly connected. Lord, I pray today that this is their moment to just say, Jesus, I, I want to follow you. In fact, if that's you, just pray with me right now. It's a very simple prayer. Jesus, I am sorry for my past. I know that I have broken your laws. I have sinned. I have disappointed you. Please forgive me. Jesus, I want to be connected. I want, I want to be filled. And so I, I, I pray that you will just accept me today and I will figure out what it means to walk with you going forward. Lord, I just commit my life to you this morning. Lord, I ask it in, in your name. Amen.